Hi guys, welcome to Jules and Phoebe, the weekly pop culture and social commentary podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jules and Phoebe. Hey Phoebe. Hey Jules, happy Christmas. Oh, it's not Christmas yet. <laughs> We're recording on the 14th, it's not Christmas yet, but we are almost there. We are almost there. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm great overall. So still in Senegal, super inspired, um, just hanging out with like my husband's family and his friends. Like, I don't know if you know this, but the Senegalese people are known for being very enterprising. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So Senegalese people are really entrepreneurial. Um, so in the US, the Senegalese community is doing really well. So it's really similar to like the Nigerian community. Mm-hmm. So in terms of French speaking Africa, like Senegalese are known for being like some of the most enterprising and entrepreneurial people there are. Yeah, so Senegalese are hustlers, basically. Um, And so being here, it's like really inspiring just seeing, you know, young people setting up their own businesses, setting up their own restaurants, the creativity. Um, Also, Senegalese are very artistic, very creative. The cuisine here is really up there. It's really a mix of like North African influence, French influence, West African influence. And yeah, I just feel really privileged to be spending my holidays in Senegal. Yeah, lovely. It sounds like it's so restorative as well. After it, basically a year of being locked inside. Sounds nice. To yeah. Be like appreciating nice cuisine, good weather, good company. It makes you value those things so much more. Yeah, it makes you value those things so much more. And I'm someone that really enjoys traveling and learning about other people's cultures Mm -hmm. and I just didn't have any of that this year so it's really nice to have that and just seeing people hustle and grind just makes me think man 2021 I need to be completely on it Mm -hmm. one of the things I'm doing in 2021 if I send you a Christmas card and you're listening to this podcast if I sent you my very expensive Christmas cards and you couldn't even send me a whatsapp and say thanks for the card I can't have you in my life in 2021. I try to be humble, but it's actually irritated me. I think as someone who sends a lot of cards and flowers and all of that kind of stuff, and I've said this before in the podcast, I'm always like, if you know better, do better. If it pops into your head to do something, you you have to kind of align with the fact that realistically, a lot of the time people just aren't into that stuff in the same way. But that said... I send out Christmas cards every year and I actually really enjoy doing it. But the only real response I got last year was from one of my uh, husband's cousin's wives who was like, God, you are so organized. These are so beautiful. But basically like the heads up was, I won't be sending cards back this year. So I just want to let you know I've received it and I appreciate it. And I'm like, that's fine. No, if somebody says I received it and I appreciate it, I think that's all it takes. Like I don't expect you to go and send me a luxury Christmas card as well. It would be nice. A simple thank you mm-hmm. would go away. And I was thinking about this because I, I felt so much joy, like choosing my Christmas cards. And the reason why I wanted to send cards this year is because it's been a very, very difficult year. So I just sent a few cards to people that I work with or that I have been very close to. And I feel like they've just made my life a little bit easier this year. And I wanted to show some gratitude for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not as organized as you are. So I don't always get around to sending these Christmas cards. And then it was so nice to pick them and write them and handwrite them and send them. And then I thought, 
you know what, Jules, do it and don't expect anything back. Like it's not about getting anything back. But when you take that time and then you get nothing back, mm-hmm. it's really a vibe killer. Like my vibe is killed. I'm not doing this again. And I always thank you. No, I'm sure you received a reply from me because I always thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you send us stuff. Mm-hmm. I try to show a lot of gratitude because I think it's um it's such a luxury nowadays. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's lovely to receive post. I have to say I really enjoyed doing it. I love the ceremony of, as you say, sitting down, writing cards, writing a letter, all of that kind of stuff, particularly with Christmas cards. I'm always like, I'm going to have a glass of red wine. I'm going to put on some Christmas music. I'm just going to sit at the kitchen table and write these out. This year, it was, for whatever reason, it was just a little bit more stressful. And my husband was sitting at the table, but he was just chilling. He was not, like, getting involved with this at all. And actually, this this is one of those things that this will tie in, I think, to what we're talking about in the podcast. So one of the things I want to talk about, because I was just like, at one point, I just said, can you give me a hand? And he was like, <laughs> oh, I thought you liked doing it. And I was like, well, yeah, I do, but this is actually for your family. You know that, right? And he's like, oh, well, if you if you want help, then fine. It's like, there's something to be said for, and I don't want to dive into this too much because I want to give a bit more context around why it's on my mind so heavily, but there's something to be said sometimes for gender roles and what gets really kind of pasted as, oh, yeah, but you like doing it, so why are you asking for help? Yeah, so true. I think with me, I'm so lucky because I don't have a gender conforming marriage. Mm -hmm. I see all of my girlfriends like doing so much, running around, like running their households and like doing a lot. And obviously I contribute, but I'm not like, I definitely feel I'm letting the side down or reparations. Mm -hmm. However you want to look at it. Yeah. Because I don't, there are a lot of things that are like things that women should be doing. Mm -hmm that I just get away with not doing. The reason that this has been on my mind quite heavily is there was a podcast I mentioned, I think, a couple of weeks ago that I'd been listening to, dipping in and out of, called You're Wrong About. And they did an episode on uh, The Stepford Wives, which is a book written by Ira Levin, who also wrote Rosemary's Baby. Um, Rosemary's Baby was one of my favourite films. I don't really like it anymore. Obviously, it's got the Roman Polanski connection. I don't really vibe with so I ended up listening to this um podcast and I thought you know what I'm just going to get the book actually it sounds really interesting I've got Rosemary's Baby at home I've never read that so maybe I'll just have like an Ira 11 weekend and so for any listeners I think everyone will know the term Stepford Wives right it's so in the zeitgeist it's absolutely slipped into everyday vernacular the idea is that it's a super perfect you know kind of Connecticut woman so the premise of this whole book to really synopsize is that this couple moved to a little suburb in Connecticut called Stepford. Everyone is super, super perfect. Everyone is immaculate, but the women are completely devoid of personality. And I can say this quite confidently because it was written in 1972. So if you're not familiar with the plot, I'm like, I'm really sorry. You know, Jules, sometimes you're like, listen, I cannot spoon feed you. Basically, the premise here is that the men are killing their wives and replacing them with robots. And what is so jarring about this whole thing is that when our main character moves to Stepford initially, she's talking about how she's for the women's liberation movement. She's a feminist. And she's saying, and so is my husband. And everyone's like, your husband? She's like, yeah, a lot of men are also actually interested in women's liberation. Like, men are also invested in this fight. 
And the reason that it was being discussed in the, the podcast was because it was being discussed in the cultural context of things like Milltown and Valium, which were the medications that were completely disproportionately being prescribed to women at that time. Because particularly, again, of that time and probably into very recent history, when women got married, when women became wives and mothers, they sacrificed a part of their own identity. So that was it then. And, you know, that this whole idea that while the Stepford Wives as a concept might seem so crazy, these robotic women just doing, you know, their their menial tasks, like, so slowly, so thoroughly. It's kind of reflective of what was happening in society at the time anyway, because these women were just being drugged out of their minds in order to live their normal lives. But I think it happens now. That hasn't changed. Totally. Totally, totally, totally. But it's something that I personally don't mentally engage with that much, because I think... As you said, I don't think of myself in a super gender conforming marriage. I earn more money than my husband. I know that if and when we have children, my husband has said himself that he'll be the primary caregiver. But it's just, it's sometimes, you know, when sometimes a couple of things happen in kind of quick succession and you're left thinking, oh my God, I feel like I have a lot to think about. But I think we all, even if you're not like, like I would definitely say I'm in a modern marriage, like... <laughs> not super modern <laughs> but modern enough but you still have you know especially sort of me being away now and being with my in-laws like you still have to make a level of effort you definitely have to be put together you have to present yourself in a certain way these things are important like I'm not so modern that I'm just out here doing whatever I want with my in-laws I just think it's relationships in general where there's everything that you do for your relationship, but then there's still that fight for your own individuality. What I think was so horrifying to me when I was reading this book, because, you know, I, I bought it on Thursday night, I finished it on Thursday night. It was just like, read it in the space of about three hours. Now, it's a small book, but I also could not put it down. And I think one of the things that's so horrifying to me is that as you're going through this book, you're reading about how the women of Stepford were all interested in women's liberation. They were all, you know, feminists. They were all having these meetings, da 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 And their husbands were performatively supporting them. So in the context of the, as I said before, the main character, she's like, yeah, my husband's interested in women's lib as well. And he starts going to, to meetings at the men's club. And she's like, you know, men's club, that's so old school, whatever. And he's like, no, don't worry, I'm going to change it from the inside. And what it comes down to is ultimately he kills her. He kills her and he replaces her with the robot. But it's the horror of realising that so many men pay lip service to this idea of, you know, whatever it is, A, modern marriage, B, equality in the workplace, or, you know, hey, I'm a feminist too, this kind of doing it for woke points, when actually there's an inherent belief that I'm the most important person in this relationship, in this dynamic, in this marriage. So that's why the CEO of Zalando taking a step back from his work to support his wife's ambitions is headline news. Mm-hmm. Because for a man to take a step back from his work so his wife can pursue her own career and her own ambitions, it's like, oh, my God, what is this? It's such a big deal. And I know you sent that to me and you were like, oh, wow, like this is amazing. My reaction was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, because... They're so rich. Yes. Like, I didn't see why everyone was so grateful that he was taking a step back for his wife's ambitions when 
they're so rich I don't see it as that much of a sacrifice and I actually agree with you because I I did share it and I thought you know what this is brilliant because because it's a man talking about it but you're right there's no he's not stepping back from his role so he can do the school run or so he can do a food shop like they are of a wealth where they're already paying for someone external to do those things anyway and that's the conversation that we often don't have when we're talking about these things of you know outsourcing and career and ambition and everything like that which is another kind of minefield in and of itself because if you can afford to outsource if you can you know afford to get takeout every night or, you know, get your meals prepared or buy Mindful Chef or HelloFresh and have a cleaner and all of the rest of it. Those are also things that benefit you hugely. But what I felt was, at least with him, a bit like when Serena Williams' husband stepped down from his board seat with Reddit and he was like, I want to give this to a person of colour. I want somebody else from a minority background to benefit from this. I think, well, actually... You, it won't make any difference to you, really. Your bottom line will remain the same. But you started a conversation, perhaps, for other men to be like, all right, that's, a, that's an okay thing to do. But <laughs> I had nightmares all night that my husband was trying to kill me. <laughs> what, because of Stepford Wives? Because of Stepford Wives. <laughs> Not that I think, you know, I mean, some people will know my husband, some people won't. And it's not as though my husband's one of the ones here, wink, wink, I'm into the women's liberation movement. I actually want a Stepford wife. But more that it was just, that for me was the most horrifying part of the book. Because you do have a thing that however much people performatively pretend to be egalitarian or pretend to be woke, even though I know we don't love that word, societal bias is so ingrained in us that so much of the time, you are being thought of as hysterical or neurotic or shrill. In relationships, you will lose some of yourself in a relationship. I think it's very difficult to be completely independent in a relationship, like 100%. Do you know what I mean? So there has to be like a level of sacrifice that you are comfortable with. But, you know, I feel I've I've had to drastically change. Even though my husband is like, you made no adjustments. (laughs) I feel I have had to make adjustments in order to be happily married. And my husband is really liberal as well. So he might be one of those, I'm for the liberation movement, wink, wink, but is trying to kill me. (laughs) Yes. So this is it, obviously... For anyone listening, this isn't like a cry for help. I don't think that my husband is actually a huge misogynist or anything like that. But it was more that it makes you think of the mundane horror of being a woman, trying to get ahead in your career, and the social cues and the social niceties that we are still expected to perform. And whether that's, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, Jules, to your point, you want to make an effort with your in-laws because you love your husband or you love your partner and you want to get on well with their family because that's someone that you love and by virtue you love your in-laws you know this kind of thing it's not it's not altruistic to want to get along with your in-laws but by the same token ingrained in us all is the mentality of what a good daughter-in-law looks like versus what a good son-in-law looks like and even if you aren't married you know even if you don't have the the labels of husband and wife or even if you're you're in a same-sex marriage or a same-sex relationship, I believe that those labels and those expectations are just as ingrained. 
there is a level of expectation as to how you perform your role as a spouse, full stop. Even if you have a modern relationship where the female is the breadwinner, you know, and the husband's happy to stay at home, they can still create some challenges. Mm -hmm. Like I remember at the beginning of lockdown, I was reading an article and the woman was saying, oh, I'm so sad. Like I can't speak to my boyfriend in COVID times. The issue is that my boyfriend's married. Oh my God. And his wife is the breadwinner and now she's at home. So he can't speak to me. And she was very devastated by this. So the challenge you have is even if somebody says, okay, I'm happy to be the primary caregiver, a male says I can be the primary caregiver, men are not really socialized into that. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to take a few more generations for them to really be socialized into that. So the ego can sometimes still rear its ugly head and cause a lot of issues. Totally. And, you know, just as you were saying that, I was kind of thinking to myself, oh, you know, that's the and that will be the wife's fault because she's emasculated him and then I thought I don't even know what the female equivalent of that word is what is the female equivalent of emasculated or does that just not that's just not something that men ever have to think about I don't think that's something that exists incredible yeah I don't think I don't think that kind of concept exists but those are real things it's like real emotions like as women we are socialized and if a woman is not super giving and like taking the shirt off her back for other people people are like what kind of woman are you why do you care about yourself 100% and 100% and even if there will be people thinking you know what I don't perform my femininity or my masculinity in that way like I said, I, I don't think that this is specifically heterosexual couples, although I think that heterosexual couples are the biggest proliferators of these gender stereotypes, even if you're on the, the minor end of the scale. Heterosexual relationships are bad for women. That's just a fact. And women who are over 50 and married in heterosexual relationships are less healthier than like single or divorced women at that point in their lives, right? So I don't know if we've got the data on same-sex relationships and what's going on over there. Um, I'm sure it's not all roses, but I think it's really important to be aware of these things because you need to discuss them and you need to make sure that you're on the same page. And if you aren't, it is appropriate for you to step back from that because one of the things that kind of emerges as a recurrent theme throughout the book is that you have the main character very casually asking her husband to do something oh could you hang out the wash would you feed the kids this evening and he is happy to and he's agreeing he's saying don't worry I'll do that or I'll put the kids to bed or I'll check on such and such a thing and you realize that as the book goes on you know he's he's playing this role he's winking to the audience because He's not actually okay with this domestic egalitarianism and he finds it an affront that she's asking, but he's he's playing along because he knows shortly he won't have to do it anymore. And towards the end of the book, what actually happens is that a black couple move to the neighbourhood and this is just before our original main character has been Stepford-wived and so none of the women are friendly. Once they've become these robots, they're not friendly anymore because they're always doing housework. 
So they can never go and do anything else. It's like, I've got to wax the floors. I've got to do this. I've got to polish the, the cutlery. And so this black woman who moves in, Ruth Ann, is saying to our, our main character, whose name I just cannot think of, everyone's so unfriendly. Is it? Is it because I'm black? And you, our main character goes, oh, my God, no. Everyone is just horrible here. I really think we need to get out of here. And this is the thing that it's almost like that analogy of the, the frog in the boiling water where they know that something's wrong because it takes about three months for the robot to get made once they move to town. So you've got a friend for a month or two months, dependent on how closely you guys move together. And then your friends are changing. And after about whatever it is, a couple of weeks, Ruth Ann sees our main character in the supermarket and she's a robot now. Obviously, Ruth Ann hasn't twigged this just yet, but she goes home and she's talking to her husband. She's an artist. She's a children's illustrator and, and, and writer. And uh, she's making good headway with her book. She goes down to her husband and she's like, you know what, I'm, I'm actually making really good headway tonight. I really want to stick with it. Would you take the kids out for... And he's like, oh, for dinner. He jumps in, he's like, you want me to take them for dinner? She was like, yeah, you know, maybe just the pizza place down the corner or something like that, like, if you don't mind. And he's going, absolutely. And you know that he is doing the same thing. And it's just this women doing these small, asking for these small acts of service. Like, can you hang out a wash? Can you make the bed? And that it's an ask, that it's a capital A ask for these men. And it's a point against them. I think it's um, way more complex these days because it's really difficult to find or maybe I mean they're there I'm sure but people are not so it's not so black and white anymore you know it reminds us of everything that we you know obviously us doing our special on the crown and like all the expectations that come with that but it's like nowadays you think oh maybe it can be different and you know I was on a call with some friends like a a book club and we were talking about this topic basically And I was saying it's really interesting because all of us are educated, independent, opinionated, but we're still pursuing marriage. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why is that? Why do you still feel that you need to be in a marriage, which is a box, which comes with a lot of expectations? There are a lot of relationships where they're together for like 10 years, they're chilling. And then as soon as they get married, there's something about the marriage that changes the expectations of the relationship Mm -hmm. and not all relationships can survive that so it's interesting that even though women have more opportunities we are still guardians of marriage as an institution like we're really into it your partner will say I don't want to get married and the woman will be forcing him Mm -hmm. and it's like no this is your get out of jail free card totally and also (laughs) when we think about the language with which we talk about marriage as well right the old ball and chain or, oh, well, wife says I can't, this kind of attitude. The- no, but it's actually a ball and chain for women because men who are married live longer. And they prosper. They get more promotions. Yeah. They get quicker salary increases. And, again, I just want to take a second to be clear. I am not – I don't want anyone from my husband's family to be listening to this and be like, it's a cry for help. That's not – No, it's not, guys. This is an objective discussion. Totally. This is episode 37 of the Jules and Phoebe podcast. We discuss these types of topics. Mm-hmm. So please don't think Jules and Phoebe are having any kind of crisis. Yeah. I'm happily married. I'm happily married. And yet I know that what you're saying about that institution is totally correct. 
And I spoke to one of my best friends about it. I spoke to my mother-in-law about it. And I was just thinking, Jesus, these gender roles that we proliferate. And it is things like the buying of the Christmas presents or the writing of the Christmas cards or doing the food shop or remembering everyone's birthdays or da 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 Like the list goes on and on and on. And it is it is supposed to be a partnership, but it shouldn't be a partnership because it doesn't have to be equal, but it does have to be fair. And as you said, heterosexual relationships are bad for women. So when we talk about it like, oh, well, it's 50-50, we both live here. It actually, it needs to not be 50-50 because 50-50 still benefits one party in that relationship more than it benefits the other. And the societal expectations are having a negative impact on you, whether or not your your partner or your spouse proliferates them. They need to be overt in their condemnation of them. You just have some men that feel that they're they're better. Absolutely. But that's what it must feel like when from day dot society is telling you you are better just because. And there was that study that was done where one in eight men think that they could beat Serena Williams in a game of tennis. Do you remember this? Oh my God, that's crazy. Crazy. How set up do you have to be in life that you just think, yeah, I mean, she's all right for a woman. Mad. That's insane. Insane. And I think, you know... You look at Serena Williams and you think you could beat her in a tennis match. You're on drugs. There is literally no evidence for it. There's nothing to indicate, oh, listen, you also happen to be a good tennis player. What you have been indoctrinated to think there is that women get everything handed to them, despite everything demonstrating the opposite, that women have to to work harder, and it's only worse for black women and women of colour, that women are out here just being like, yeah, I've decided I'm going to be an Olympic gold medalist, tennis champion. Yeah, but it's just like when you've got a black person in a highly regarded position, they always think that it's affirmative action. They just think like, oh, yeah, no, someone gave this to you. And it's like, no, that you are, I'm actually here in spite of your racism mm-hmm. and your dehumanization and your slavery and your raping and your pillaging. I'm here in spite of that and your banter. I'm here in spite of that. Not because somebody said, oh, you know, let's give this person an opportunity. And I think it's just like that with women wear. And I felt like that. But people don't really see you as competition, especially Mm -hmm. when you're in a male-dominated industry or field. They don't really see you as competition. In a way, it's good because, you know, when you're underestimated, it's actually good because then you can just, like, do your thing and then hopefully over-deliver. But it's interesting when you think about it from a professional context and the fact that the people you're working with actually don't think you're in the running Mm -hmm. and but also when you say that you know yeah okay people underestimate you and then you can over deliver only if those success metrics are completely objective because you know one statistic I learned on my MBA program is that 70% of jobs in the senior job market so let's say VP and above are on the hidden job market So it's friend of a friend, or I worked with, or this is someone you should check out. And that's where it doesn't matter if people are underestimating you and you're over-delivering, because 
Larry still didn't mention Jules's name when he was asked who think who he thinks would be a good fit for the VP position. Yeah, and I read this crazy stat that I'll share with you on Twitter in the summertime. So basically it says Paris ENS is France's top school and aggregation there is highly competitive. This year due to COVID, they cancelled the orals, only had the anonymous written exam. As a result, 80% of the successful candidates were women. Women usually represent 40% of ENS aggregates. Wow, 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 wow. But as a result, because of only having the written exam, 80% of the successful candidates were women. So like you said, the criteria to actually judge talent or the criteria to judge your access to this school, your access to this opportunity, it's not objective. You know, we can talk about it in the domestic context, right? But this is so much bigger. It's in everything that you do. It's in, you know, sexism and misogyny is literally the air that you breathe. It is the air that you breathe. And a fantastic example of that is the article that was written in the Wall Street Journal this week, talking about Dr. Jill Biden, who should not be introducing herself as Dr. Jill Biden because she's not an MD. And so this guy, I can't think of his first name, but ironically, his surname was Epstein, basically wrote, Jill, kiddo, baby, it's embarrassing. It's cringy that you're referring to yourself as doctor because you're not a medical professional, basically, which completely, you know, eradicates the fact that Jill Biden has a bachelor's, she's got two master's, and then she's got her, it's not a PhD, I believe, when it's an education, but it's an EdD or something like that. PhD, I guess, just rolls off the tongue a little better. And I just thought, this man is not a doctor either, but he's actually felt really empowered to write this article about the first doctor flotus in the history of America. It's ridiculous. But that stuff happens all the time. I was talking to a friend of mine who was, um, she was being interviewed by someone. And then, you know, and this friend of mine is like Oxford elite banking background harvard Mm -hmm. educated and the guy who wanted to interview her then started to trash her and say that she didn't have a phd oh my gosh and then she's like but you don't have a phd and you've gone to none of the schools that i've gone to and it's like so strange because would somebody start trashing a male harvard mba when they have not gone to harvard themselves and say that Oh, it'd be nice if they had a PhD when they don't have a PhD themselves. So women end up in these really weird situations. And I don't know if it's because they, this guy was intimidated that he just he thought, okay, I'm going to trash you. What's going on here? And also, what tools do we have to dismantle systems like that? Because I think a lot of the time, what you end up getting is this kind of the encouragement to pursue instead like this scrappy can-do attitude. Well, I'm going to show him because I am going to get my PhD. And you think that's not the solution. If women want to, they should be empowered to. But this constant moving of the goalposts, we do not yet have enough equity or enough power ourselves to say, no, no more moving the goalposts. Like, this is what it is. Objectively, I fit Mm. the criteria. I'm a good candidate. And it should be for me, as opposed to I'm going to go away and prove them wrong. Yeah, but it's going to take generations. Even the women that do have power use a patriarchal model. Mm-hmm. So, power. That's what Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie calls it. 
what did she call it? Bottom power. But what does that mean? It's when you use like sexuality and femininity that women, so that people will critique women and say, oh, you know, she's a gold digger or she's this or she's that. She's using her attractiveness to get ahead. And Chimamanda says that in itself, as you've just said, is a form of patriarchy as well because no that's not what I mean I don't mean if you're gonna if you have your good good looks use them use whatever you've got I mean that women who end up in power then say I'm a guy's girl I'm not going to promote women because I'm already a woman they don't want to be seen to be doing anything for women because they feel that it lessens their value but to be clear I mean when I was I I I get you I've I've misunderstood your point but to be clear when I was saying that when Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie says this she says it in the context of like there's nothing wrong with leveraging that but it is a form of patriarchy because it has an expiration date so you only get to leverage your youth as long as you have it or your attractiveness as long as you remain attractive so even though it makes sense you've got to use every tool in your arsenal because it has that expiration date it doesn't actually count as you leveling the playing field oh yeah that doesn't count as you leveling the playing field and women that do get access to power just like any other minority group and women are not the minority I would say in terms of power yes but it's a bit sort of weird when like we say women are the minority like we are 50% of the population Mm -hmm. but it seems that groups that haven't traditionally had access to power feel that they have to adopt a white male approach to leadership and to a certain extent, that's what Hillary Clinton was doing, mm-hmm. right? And that's why people just were like, she's not authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, but poor Hillary, there was no other model for her to lead with. Like Hillary didn't think that she could just be herself. So Hillary was always performing in her pantsuits, right? Absolutely. And Hillary would have been eviscerated for leaning into her femininity. There were more people... this was a survey there were more people who had an issue with Hillary quote-unquote allowing Bill to cheat on her than they did with Bill cheating on her so people were angrier with Hillary than they were with Bill basically because a good wife if she hadn't been so ambitious if she hadn't been out here working if she hadn't also had a law degree well maybe he wouldn't have cheated maybe if she was wearing less pantsuits he wouldn't have needed to have an affair with a 22-year-old intern who was working in his office. Yeah, I think it's really so toxic. But yeah, it's an inter- it's an interesting one. Um, I think we are in an era now where it's like, you know, we spoke about it a bit on the podcast last week, where it, it is about authenticity, empathy, vulnerability. I don't know if, if it is a soundbite. If we are stepping into a new era, then that means that there should be different models of leadership, mm-hmm. different types of people doing the job successfully in their own way. And I'm keen to see it because all this stuff is like super outdated now. We think, but like not really. 100%. And I think as well, what we find is that, say you and I, people who can be disenfranchised by that very same patriarchal structure can sit here and verbally dismantle it and think about well here are the ways in which you can set yourself apart and you know guys we touched on this in last week's episode and it's something that Juliet said so well you know we want to kind of build this community and we want to to help and elevate and elevate and accelerate and 
use that network in whatever positive way we can because I think that we have such interesting and driven listeners and that's something we'll do a lot more of in 2021 I feel but we can sit here and verbally dismantle it unless those in power also do the same which as you said will take a lot longer it is just you and me chin wagon yeah, but I think you made the point in terms of Alexis Ohanian saying, I want to step down from this board seat. I don't know. I don't need it. I want to give someone else the opportunity. It starts a conversation, right? Conversations are really, really, really important. And hopefully we can get to the point where we can back it up by actions. But yes, you've got a structural system, but all of us are part of that system and all of us are complicit to a certain extent. So we all need to look at ourselves as individuals and challenge things in any way that we can. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's not like the angel of patriarchy is going to come down and be like, okay, guys, I'm done (laughs) opening the door to a new era. No, it's like human beings that are like, yeah, not cool. Um, And I would love us to get to the point where, you know, the boss of Zalando steps back from his career for his wife to pursue her ambitions. And that is not news. When I initially saw that article, I thought, Oh, amazing. Super. We need to be having more conversations like this. And I feel the more that I sit with it and the more I think about it, the more I think, actually, if my husband made this big grand announcement, yeah, I'm stepping down as my very powerful, important role as CEO of this big company so that my wife can pursue her career. Have I been genuinely, fairly, given the best environment I possibly can to succeed? Or does my quote-unquote freedom come with shackles because there's the well I told everyone that I gave up my job for you so that you could pursue your career so that your career could take they're so rich they don't care (laughs) it's not that deep for them they're so rich it's a non-issue but then if it's just so rich that it's a non-issue then he didn't need to step down. It's a performance where it's like you've created an environment where I am now obliged to succeed at a certain point because otherwise, why did I give up my job for you? If it turned out that your success was only X, but I was earning Y, why did I give up my job? They have so much money. It's a different baseline. What I mean is that he's given up his job. And when you look at the compensation, he earned a lot more last year than he earned this year so people were just saying like you know it was probably just the time for him to step back and then I think that they were having conversations at the dinner table with their friend who's a journalist and was like this would make an excellent story this is something we should talk about I think what you're doing is amazing and then the friend wrote about it and then it went viral It's literally just wealthy people and their banter. Like, I don't think he's holding his wife's feet to the fire. They've probably just decided as a couple that they do want to spend some time with their children because the amount of money that they have, they could have both worked and they have the resources to have like a nanny and childcare and stuff. It's, I think, a different kind of conversation. The reason why talking about gender roles and talking about women is still really important, especially in the age of COVID, is the fact that women are being so deeply impacted by what's happening with COVID. And, you know, it's basically setting women back a generation and women are the ones that are losing their jobs, you know, having to give up their job to take care of the kids, having to give up their jobs to take care of loved ones that are unwell. So that's why it's important for us to continue having these conversations, because me and you, like on an individual level, like we're all right for now, but Mm -hmm. 
this stuff is raging. Yes. And the Lando stuff, like you said, it is a performance. It is a bit of a distraction because when you think about sort of day-to-day people, you know, what's happening. And I don't think we're really going to see the, the real impact. What I think that as we are trying to all do our best, we stop having those thoughts and those conversations about what equity or what fairness looks like in the home and in the workplace because we are so sure it's a bit like JLo and her Botox. She's just not that kind of woman. And I'm not the kind of woman who would be doing anything more than my fair share of emotional labor or labor in the home, right? But actually that's not true because I've not examined that about myself. I've not, I've not sat down and I've not said, well, you know what? It is the way that it is. I just like things a certain way. So it's easier if I do the food shop or pick up the cat food or clean the sitting room, clean the bathroom. I like things a certain way. And those things have been ingrained in you since birth because in the same way that boys get more exposure to science and math subjects, little girls are told that they are so kind, that they're so caring. Oh, weren't you gentle? Weren't you helpful? Why don't you tidy your room? And that language, as well-meaning as it is, is absorbed and is internalised and is then proliferated, basically. Okay, can we end on a positive note, though? Yes. (laughs) Do you have anything positive for us today? (laughs) Oh, okay, guys, I think we're just going to end on that note then. (laughs) I don't, because it's our last one of the year, and I don't want to... It's just that it's something that's on my mind so heavily, and it's obviously not meant to be a negative thing, but I do think, particularly at Christmas time, this is when a lot of that home labor does end up being on on women to do the cooking and the cleaning and you know the the men kind of show up to the christmas dinner table and it's not meant to be negative at all because i have been excited about christmas since october and i love this time of year but i do think it just it's a good reminder that as we head into 2021 your mentality you know we spoke extensively last week about identifying your superpowers and what are the inarguable good aspects of you and your personality and your work ethic and part of that has to be dismantling the negative components that you've absorbed yeah I think it's important to be mindful about that so I'm I'm with you on that and yeah I think I just want to wish all of our listeners like you know hopefully you can take the time to rest a bit Christmas is such a funny one because, and I don't know if it's still, uh, I don't want to take us down an even more negative spiral, but Christmas is just one of those holidays that I think is a double-edged sword. It is great to have some time off work if you do have the time off work and to be able to spend your time with loved ones. But then that also does come with a level of stress. So just don't let people overstep their boundaries. That would be my advice this holiday. Like, Kind of like set your boundaries, take it easy. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Try and enjoy the holiday season. Don't drink too much. And we'll see you next year. Absolutely. Take whatever rest you can get because 2021, we're coming in with a bang. And oh yeah, this is it. Our 2021 recap is going to be wild. Next December, <laughs> we're talking about everything that everyone's achieved, everything that our listeners have manifested and what we've done and all of it it's just non-stop good energy i feel yeah exactly thanks so much for listening guys share the podcast with a friend 
follow at Jules Phoebe on Instagram. If you can, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does mean a lot. Happy Christmas. Bye. Bye.